tonight to be with us. Lord, we lift up these prayer requests, especially for Pastor Joe as he's fighting off this illness. And Lord, we ask you to touch him, touch his body, and heal it. Uh, Lord, we pray for our nation. We ask that you just uh, intervene. Uh, Lord, do something. Uh, we need your help, most definitely. For all the unspoken out there we have, Father, I know that we have, everyone has one that they don't want to mention, and that's fine. You know what they are. You know what they need to, need to be. And you know, know how to take care of them and handle them for us. Lord, we just trust in you. We lift up our lives to you. We lift up our church to you. We lift up this nation. We just ask, Father, that you would just do your will in each and everything. And, Lord, we just want to praise you and thank you for all that you do for us. Thank you for your salvation. Thank you for Jesus Christ and the death on the cross. We love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, turn your Bibles to Galatians chapter 3. Galatians chapter 3, <coughs> verse 15. We left off on 14. Just kind of a reminder of what we talked about last week, where Paul was calling the Galatians the foolish because they have uh, walked away or turned their backs on the, the gospel in which he had preached before them, and thinking that their salvation was going to come through the law or through the works, and he uh, kind of got all over them about it. So this week he's going to deal with that just a little bit more. He deals with that from here on out till the end of chapter 6, the end of the book. But he deals, each section he deals in a different way, a different uh, position of what he's talking about in that justification by faith. So uh, let's read the verses 15 to 29. It says, Brethren, I speak after the manner of men. Though it be but a man's covenant, yet if it be confirmed, no man disannulleth it, or addeth thereto. Now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. He saith not, and to the seeds, as of many, but as of one, and to thy seed, which is Christ. And this I say, that the covenant that was confirmed before of God in Christ, the law, which was 430 years after, cannot disannul, that it should make the promise of none effect. For if the inheritance be of the law, it is no more of the promise, but God gave it to Abraham by promise. Wherefore then serveth the law? It was added because of transgressions, till the seed should come to whom the promise was made, and it was ordained by angels in the hand of a mediator. Not a mediator is, now a mediator is not a mediator of one, but God is one. Is the law then against the promises of God? God forbid, for if there had been a law given which could have given life, verily righteousness should have been by the law. But the scripture hath concluded all under sin, that the promise by faith of Jesus Christ might be given to them that believe. But before faith came, we were kept under the law, shut up unto the faith which should afterward be revealed. Wherefore, the law was our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ, that we might be justified by faith. 
But after that faith has come, we are no longer under a schoolmaster. For ye are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. For as many as you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither bond nor free. There is neither male nor female. For ye are all one in Christ Jesus. And if ye be Christ's, then are ye Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Paul begins his uh, message to them right here to take in account, basically to show them that, uh, or discuss about man's covenant, uh, man's contracts, man's testimonies. Um, so he, he wants to put it in a, in a phrase in which they can understand. So he tells them, he says, if, if two men, earthly men, make a contract or a covenant, that's what they used back then was the word covenant, they made a contract together, and it was confirmed or ratified. If me and J.L. had a discussion, we need to make a contract with you for some purpose or reason, uh, we would go together to a lawyer or to a notary. We would have the contract written out. We would both sign it. The witness would sign it, and then the notary would stamp it. That would make it a legal document, unbreakable. They, uh, he talks here. He says that no man can annul it. If, if me and J.L. have that uh, a covenant or that contract, and I decide I don't like the contract, I'm going to rewrite it. I can't do that, not without his approval. It cannot be broken. I cannot annul, I cannot con uh, disable that contract, I cannot change that contract, I can't add to it or take away from it without his approval. We would have to write a whole new contract, a new covenant, and we would have to go back to the lawyer and have it annulled or uh, uh, stamped again. We have to have it ratified. He said, though, the, though talking about a man's contract, he said, you know, you... You go and you set all these contracts up in these covenants, and even by our laws, earthly laws, we can't change them. So he's saying here, he says that that can't happen. That can't be annulled. And what he's getting to here, he's talking about Abraham and the promise that God made with Abraham, that covenant that he made with him cannot be annulled. It cannot be changed. Now, can God change it if he decides to? Nope, because God is God. And when God makes up his plan, he doesn't change it. If he did, then he wouldn't be God, because his character would be, it would be off his character. It would be out of his attributes. But he says, now to Abraham, it is promised the seed, not seeds, as Paul says, not many seeds, but one seed. And who's that one seed? Christ Jesus. That's going to be coming. The promise is made to him. He says here, he says, Paul thus makes a point of distinction. God made his covenant with Abraham, a singular seed, not a plural. Okay? Through, though, though there was more than one promise, the object thereof was Abraham's seed. Paul continues that, saith not, any, but and two seeds, as of many, but of one. So God's promise was to Abraham's seed. The promise which through Isaac as will be discriminated later. Though Abraham had more than one son, the promise was made to who? Isaac. And only Isaac. The one son. That's all it came through. 
Okay? It was through Isaac's line, his generation or his, his uh, descendants that Christ came through. So he's, saying, he's, he's given them this fact that uh, even a man's contract cannot annul what God has set forward. God sets a contract or a covenant with man, with Abraham. Nobody can change that. It's, it's set in stone, you might say. 17, he says, And this I say, that the covenant that was confirmed before God in Christ, the law, which was 430 years after, cannot disannul. So God made a promise with Abraham, or a covenant with Abraham. There was no law at that time. There was no law. God had not set down the laws yet. They didn't come for 430 years later. Here's a little uh, fact, if you want to, just a, a side note. From the time of Abraham's promise or covenant with God, it was 430 years before the law came. Okay? How many years was the Israelites in bondage? 430 years. They were in bondage the same amount of time it was between Abraham and the law came. That's just a side note, just a little bit of fact. Okay? But he says that covenant was confirmed by God through Christ, that Christ and not the law, because the law didn't show up for another 430 years. So the law cannot do anything about it. If we make that contract, how many heard the, the, the old, uh, there's a saying or there's a term that's used in, in contracts called the grandfather clause? You ever heard that? Okay. Well, the grandfather clause is, let's say I built a house here in Hillsville, say 50 years ago. And 30, 40 years after I built that house, they come up with this uh, new ordinance that the foundation has to be a certain way for you to build a house. Uh, the walls have to be so thick or whatever it might be. Okay? And then they set their ordinance down. My house would fall under that grandfather clause. They can't make me go back and change my walls. They can't make me go back and change the foundation. It falls under that grandfather clause. Okay? I remember a few years ago, we had a, uh, there was a trailer, I thought, I think set up here on Main Street somewhere, a mobile home, and it burnt down. Well, guess what they can't do? They couldn't build back on that. They couldn't put the trailer back on it, a new trailer on it. They couldn't even build on it. Because the ordinance had come through that you couldn't do that in town limits unless you were going to build a commercial building. Do you know that? Here in Hillsville. Okay? That's the grandfather clause. If, and that's what basically he's saying here. He said, because that promise that God made with uh, uh, Abraham 430 years prior to the law, that law can't do anything about it. That law cannot annul it. It can't change it. It can't get rid of it. Verse 18, he says, For if the inheritance, that promise, or that contract, that covenant that God made, be of the law, then it's no more of the promise. Okay, he's trying to explain, get this through their head, that any law that comes along can't do anything against what God did. They can't change it. God can't even change it. He won't do that. God is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. He will not change his character. 
He will not change or annul. He will not change that. But he says here, for the inheritance that was by the law, then there would be no more promise. But God gave it to Abraham by promise. That covenant was a promise to Abraham that his seed, from through his seed, through Isaac, there would be a redeemer. And that redeemer was Jesus Christ. That's what he's saying. And they knew this, but Paul has to in, uh, reinstate all this to them to get them back in line. He goes on to verse 19. He started talking about the law now. He said, what is that law? What is the purpose of the law? Anybody? Come in. This, this, is, this is like a Sunday school, so you can speak out, okay? <laughs> okay? What was the purpose of the law? Well, Paul says right here, it was added or given to them because of their transgressions. Because of their transgression, because of the sin. What do you think it would be like between the time of Abraham got the promise to the time that he gave, God gave the laws? Scripture says that every man did everything in his own eyes, what was right in his own eyes, right? So they were living just as wild as they wanted to. Was there people living by God's laws or by God's faith? Yeah, Abraham was, his family was that they didn't have the law. But he said that law was given to them because of their transgressions. And do you know there's a time limit on that law? Do you know that? Look what it says here. He said the law was added because of transgression, because of your sins. God added these laws. He gave them to you to keep you in line. That's what he wanted to do. He, they had gotten to the point we watch, we read about the Israelites in, in the wilderness, and what, what kind of pattern do you see? You see, they sin, they come back to God, God forgives, they sin, they come back to God, God forgives, and so forth. And they did that the whole time. That was their problem. They continued to sin, but God continued to forgive. He said, the seed should come, till the seed should come. When was that? When Christ was born. Christ was that seed. This law, he's telling them right here, that law that was given to Abraham, or to Moses, okay, when it started, it went on through until Jesus Christ was born. Once Christ was born, it was no longer any good. The law was no longer any good for those who are in Christ. We'll read that. We've already read it. We'll see it here. He said, because of your transgressions, the seed will, until the seed comes, the law is in effect. Because that come, should come to whom the promise was made. And it was ordained by angels in the hands of a mediator. Go over to Romans 5.20 real quick. Romans 5.20. Here's another where, where uh, he speaks in Romans. He said, Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound. But where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. We have this idea today, a lot of people do, that, well, I get saved, I can go out and live the way I want. I can do whatever I want. It doesn't matter. I'm saved. I'm going to heaven now. 
but Romans is saying Romans is saying is that that law, as we'll go over and we'll see over in the, yeah, I lost the place. We'll see over in twenty four, verse twenty four. It was like a schoolmaster. It was like the leader. It had to show us what was wrong, and that's what the law was doing. The law was given to us so that we could understand our transgressions, that we could understand our sins, or their sins. We have laws today, basically the same way. Okay, and a lot of our laws are based on biblical laws. Some of them are man's laws, but they're stupid. But you know, we can't do much about that. But thou shalt not kill. Do we have a law against killing people? Yes. What about stealing? Okay. What about premarital relationships? What about, you know, extramarital relationships? We have laws against stuff like that. Of course, a lot of that doesn't apply anymore because they just don't care about them. But those laws were given to guide us, as Paul will say, to Christ. Have you ever done something that you just felt awful about. I mean, you've done something wrong, you said something to somebody, or, or you, let's just say, said something to somebody, and you knew it was wrong. You, you just, something just inside you just told you, oh, I should never have done that. Right? What's God say in his laws? We're not to speak evil of no man, are we? We're to keep our anger. We're not to, to show it. But what he's doing, trying to show here in these passages is that that law leads us to Christ. He said it much more abounds, as Romans said. What happens is when each time we sin and we, we, we know what God's law is, we know what his commandments are, and it, it, the Holy Spirit deals with us on it. Okay? And because of that, that leads us to Christ to ask for forgiveness. And guess what that gives us? Grace. God gives us his grace for that. Okay? He forgives us. He says, not only that, it was ratified by the angels. Turn over to uh, 1 Timothy 1. 1 Timothy 1. Verse 9 and 10. Knowing this, that the law is not made for a righteous man. Okay? but for the lawless and disobedient, for the ungodly and for sinners, for unholy and profane, for murderers, fathers, murderers of mothers, for manslayers, for warmongers, for them that defile themselves with mankind, for man-stealers, for liars, for perjured persons, and if there be any other thing that is contrary to the sound doctrine, God's doctrine, according to the glorious gospel of the blessed God, which was committed to my trust, he says. Hey, okay. uh, let me see if my... Romans 4.13 says, For the promise that he should be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. It is through faith that we now have uh, salvation through Christ. 
is by faith. He goes on to say, let me turn my notes. If I don't turn my notes, I'm going to get lost. In verse 20, now a mediator is not a mediator of one, but one is God. Let's get this picture here. When Moses was given the law, he went up to God. God gave him laws, and he gave it to man, right? To the Israelites. He would be in that mediator between God and man. Okay? When God went to Abraham, there was no mediator. This is basically what this passage says, verse, verse 20 says. That part which said, but God is one. God went to Abraham alone by himself with Abraham between the two of them and made that covenant. Okay? When the law came into effect, when Moses went to the mountain, the pastor was talking about it this morning. He was talking about that same thing. When they went to the mountain and Moses went up and Moses came back down, remember what pastor said, the people said in, uh, what was it, Deuteronomy 33 or Exodus? What was it? Anyway, what they did was they told Moses, Moses, you speak to us. Don't let God speak to us. Right? He said, don't do that. Moses became that mediator between them. He said, there was no mediator between God and Abraham. God went straight to Abraham. Abraham talked to God himself. But God is but one. There is no mediator. But if that law came... And Moses had to mediate between them. Is the law then against the promises of God? Paul says, God forbid. No, it is not. It doesn't go against. What did Jesus say when he taught? Let me find that verse. What did, what did Jesus say? I think what my verse is. Jesus said he came not to destroy the law, right? But to fulfill it. And what was the law? The law was that you had to do all these things. But he came to fulfill that law. In the promise of Abraham, promise, Abraham was promised that these laws would take effect until who came? The seed, which was Jesus Christ. When Jesus says that he came to fulfill the law, that's what he meant. He now came to end that law. He now is that mediator. Well, I take it back. I'm sorry. Wrong word to use. Jesus is not the mediator. Jesus is the God. Okay? Pastor spoke this morning in his message. We can come to God through an open door. We don't have to have that mediator. We don't have those laws that we have to follow to get to God. Those were for reasons of sin. He said, is the law then against promises of God? God forbid. For if there had been a law giving which could be give, given, could have given life, verily righteousness should be have been by the law. Remember the last verse we read last week? Or not last week, week before that. It says, if righteousness came by the law, then Christ would not have died in vain, right? Or he would have died in vain. And he's saying the same thing here. If God had given a law that would give eternal life, give salvation, okay, 
then we wouldn't need Jesus. But he didn't do that. He had to follow that plan that he had set forth. He had to have that man come, had Jesus come and give us the life. Verily, righteousness should have been by the law if there had been a law for that. But there wasn't. He didn't promise a law to salvation. He promised a seed. He promised Christ. He said, but the scriptures have concluded all under sin. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Right? We have all come short of the glory of God. We have all, we're all sinners. Because of Adam's sin in the garden, we are all now sinners. Right? And he said, he said, scripture says it. Let me see if I can find my verse. Deuteronomy 27. No, never mind. That's the wrong one. I don't think I wrote that one. But anyway, Scripture tells us, he says, that all have sinned. We've all come under the sin penalty. But the Scripture has concluded that all are under sin, that the promise by faith of Jesus Christ might be given to them that believe. The promise wasn't given to everyone, was it? Was it? The promise was given to Abraham through his seed by Jesus Christ to who? Those who believe. Those who come to Christ, who by grace, through faith, believe in the gospel, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, who believe on the Son of God, those the promise was given to. Okay? That promise of Jesus Christ. You understand? We, we, see if I can phrase this properly so don't get, get confused. We receive the Holy Spirit. We don't take him. He doesn't come to us because we ask him to come. He comes to us because we beg him to come. Okay? We're not, we don't demand the Holy Spirit from Christ. We don't demand Christ to live in us. We receive him because it's a gift from God. We've all come short of the, we all come short of the glory of God. We are all sinners that the promise by faith of Jesus Christ might be given to them that believe. But before faith came, we were kept under the law. Before Christ came, that law took effect from the time Moses gave until the time Christ came. So everybody was under that law. The word shut up here, it says shut up unto the faith, which should afterward be revealed. We were shut up. They, they, that word, if you look into the Greek, means to be uh, closed in. Uh, commentary give an explanation of like being in a dungeon and the only entrance is through a hole in the roof. And they put a rock over the top of it. You're closed in. You're locked in. There's nothing they can do about it. They were locked in. That law was what led them to do the things that need to be done that Christ or God would be with them. Okay? But before faith came, we were kept under the law. There's nothing we could have done about it. Now, did Abraham have salvation like we have? Yeah. He believed in Christ. He believed God, and it was counted unto him as righteousness. What was he believing? 
that one day Christ would come and take away the law. Okay? He believed. He looked forward to Christ. He looked forward to the New Testament. But until then, he had to follow certain rules. He couldn't just say, okay, I believe and walk on and do what he wanted. He still had laws. Those laws that Abraham and his family, until the, the, the law was put down in stone, those laws were given to them by God by revelation. It wasn't that we, when we're born, we come to this world, we don't automatically start saying, well, I'm not supposed to kill, I'm not supposed to lie, I'm not supposed to cheat, I'm not supposed to steal. Okay? We don't have that in us. All, all, all that we have in us is, is corruption. Okay? So they had that, but God was giving it to them until that law came, and then they followed the law. They were shut up in that. That was, that was considered faith in them. As long as they believed in God and his promises, that was their faith. They were looking forward to the Christ. You know, back in Abraham's day, Abraham lived how many years? 400, 500 something? Methuselah lived 995, something like that. You know, all these people back then lived hundreds of years. And all their time, they're still looking for Christ. They were still looking for him. The Jews are still looking for him. <laughs> the Jews are still, they are still under the curse of the law. The Jews today, the Orthodox Jews, that do not believe the New Testament, do not believe that Jesus is the Son of God, are still living under this same law, this same rule. They're still shut in. Their faith is they're still looking for the Messiah. The Messiah has already came. Wherefore, the law was our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ. Now, we don't have schoolmasters anymore. Back when they, they translated the King James Bible, that was one of the words they used, they had then. Uh, anybody here remember one school, one room schoolhouses? I'm not going to talk to you, Shirley, because I don't want people to think that you're that old. <laughs> Willis did. Okay. Well, my Willis did too. My father-in-law, he did too. He remembers the one school. Matter of fact, he used to go, they would go out and visit one. There was one out in Silvada somewhere. can't remember where it was. But he went too. But they had the one-room schoolhouse. Okay? You know what they called the teachers? Before they became teachers, they were schoolmasters. Uh, and most of them back in the 1700s, 1800s, were men. There were no women teachers. Okay? So they were called schoolmasters. If you read any of the old biographies of, say, Spurgeon or Wycliffe or any of those guys back then, and they talk about their schooling. Uh, I can remember reading about, um, who was it? I can't remember now. Anyway, he was talking about how he, at the age of about 10, he started going to school. And they called them the primary school. Uh, they weren't grade schools, they were above grade school. They were like middle school. Okay? They were already in that, that stage. And he said that whenever they would get in trouble, you know what they'd do? We don't do it no more, but they did it then. 
They did, well, they did when I was in school, too. They would take a switch to them. The schoolmaster would take the switch, if they got out of line, and would, you, you've seen the movies, right? Or TV shows, and the teacher's standing there, and the little boy's doing something, and he smacked him right on the hand with a ruler or something. What these schoolmasters were doing. And that's why they used this word, schoolmaster. He was the man who was doing all the teaching. He was one that was doing all the instructing. And so he says that we were under a schoolmaster. The law was our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ. That law shows us what we should not be doing. And if we are doing those, then that's going to lead us, or it should lead us, a lot of people don't, but it should lead us to cry out to God. I always said this, you know, an atheist says they don't believe in God. And I read somewhere where somebody said, well, you don't believe in God, then what's the first thing that comes out your mouth if somebody pulls a gun on you? Oh, God. Right? They call on God. The schoolmaster was, he, the law was the schoolmaster. The law was what led people to obey what should have been done. They were the schoolmaster, the law was. It says to bring us unto Christ, that we might be justified by faith. Once we come to Christ, what happens? We accept by grace, through faith, we believe in death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. We do what? We get saved, we become justified. He said that law brought us. It should bring us that way. Uh, a lot of people, well, we can just basically say it. You don't obey the law, what are you? You're a criminal, right? You don't obey the laws, you're a criminal. And that's basically what he's saying here. He said, if you're not going to obey the laws that God has set forth, then you are disregarding everything that God said. You're disregarding that schoolmaster that's supposed to lead you and instruct you into that, okay? then you're pretty much a criminal. Do criminals obey the laws? How many times have you ever heard of a criminal, now there are stories, and don't get me wrong, I've heard the stories, I've read some, of a criminal who went out and did some drastic deed and later on got saved. It happens. They do happen. Okay? And, but... That schoolmaster or that law is what brings us to God. By, but after that faith has come, we are no longer under that schoolmaster. Once we accept Christ as our Savior or receive Christ as our Savior, we believe in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ and get saved, we are no longer under that schoolmaster. Now, do we have to follow the laws? Yeah. But that law doesn't pertain to us if we're going by the law, or we're doing what's right by God, okay? If we are following Christ, walking as Christ walked, doing as Christ did, we don't have to worry about them laws. I just read that a while ago in Romans. What did it say about them? What's the laws? Who are the laws for? I don't know where it's at. Uh, 
the evil people, the whoremongers, the thieves, those are what the laws are for. The laws are not for a righteous man. We got this big thing going now because of guns, right? Well, let's take all the guns away. I haven't shot anybody. What are you going to take my gun for? That's, that, that's the way they, that, that's the illogical thought of people, okay? We go on to verse 26. For ye are all the children of God by faith in Jesus Christ. When we accept Christ, we receive him as our Savior. We believe in the death, burial, and resurrection through grace, by faith. We now are the children. The pastor went through this this morning. We are, in our, we are now children of God. How many of you have ever heard somebody say, oh, we're all God's children, right? No. We're all God's creation, but we're not all his children. Okay? But he said, when we believe, we have that faith in Jesus Christ, we are now children of God. Whereas many of you, he says, has, as have been baptized into Christ, have put on Christ. That baptism he's talking about, now, he's talking about a, a physical baptism, the water baptism. But in the case of the Old Testament, he's talking about that spiritual baptism. Okay? We can't physically put Christ on. He's not standing right here. I can take him and put his skin on him. That's not possible. But we're taking that character. We're taking that spirit of him and putting it on. We're, we're becoming like Christ. We are, we are to uh, mimic him. We are to uh, walk in his shoes, so to say. We are to be like Christ. For as many of you as have been baptized, we've been baptized through the Spirit by Christ. We are now putting Christ on. We are now putting that character, that spirit of him in our own spirit. We're taking it on to ourselves. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither bond nor free. There is neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. Paul goes to tell him. Remember what we read back in chapter uh, 2? When he was talking to Peter, he was rebuking Peter for what he was doing. Peter was, was separating from those Gentiles and was uh, basically being a hypocrite. Well, you know, here you have Gentiles and you have Jews. Uh, the Jews had certain laws they had to go by. They had certain things they had to do. Uh, Gentiles didn't have to do that. Uh, the Judaizers came in and they were, they were teaching that, well, you weren't a Jew, but you got saved now. You're a Christian. Now you have to follow the laws of the Jews, which didn't make any sense because they weren't doing it in the first place. Okay? But he says he, his whole point was showing what Peter was doing was that nobody's different. Everybody, I mean, everybody's the same in God's eyes. Okay? There is one race in this world. That's the human race. If somebody calls me a racist because I don't like somebody who has, you know, whatever, or acts this way or that way, okay, I'm not racist because that person is the same color I am. How can I be racist? We, if you really want to get into it, you go to 
Go to uh, Answers in Genesis and read about races. We're all the same race. We're just all different colors. Do you know that if I laid out in the sun long enough, I'd be as black as that door back there? I would. My dad, summertime, my dad would lay out in the sun all the time. When he wasn't working, he'd be out in the sun. He'd be laying out in his lounge chair just soaking up that sun. And there were times when we would go to the store and some guy would say to him, walk up to him and say, hey, what's up, brother? My dad was that dark because he laid out in the sun. It's the color of the, the, the what do they call it, pigments of the skin. That's what race is. That, there is but one race. We're all different colors. If I walked over to, to Caleb right now, he's probably a little darker than I am, Right? Somebody else, maybe you're a little lighter than I am, a little darker. We're all the same color, we're just a little, our, our shades are different, okay? But anyway, about our race. But he says there's neither Jew nor Greek. There's neither a Jew nor there's Gentiles. There's neither a bond or free. When we are in Christ, we're all the same in God's eyes. Every one of us. Someone once said that uh, God sees us through blood-colored glasses because it's through the blood of Christ that he sees us, for us that are saved, okay? Neither bond nor free, there's neither male nor female. For we are all one in Christ Jesus. God doesn't see us. God sees our spirits. He doesn't see our outside. If he did, then some of us would... He would probably take out of it because we're so ugly. So we just, you know, he just didn't have the thing to do it. He doesn't see that. Scripture says that God sees the heart. So he sees the spirit in us. Okay? He says, and if ye be Christ, then ye are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. I said this a couple weeks ago when we were talking about this. Spiritually, we are the descendants of Abraham. Because of Abraham's faith that the seed was going to be given, we come to faith in Christ. We are now a seed of Abraham, spiritually, by faith. He said, Paul says it right here, and if ye be Christ, which we are, if we're born again, if we are by grace through faith, believe in the gospel, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, we are in Christ, we are now his, and nobody else's, then we are a seed of Abraham by faith because it was him who God made the promise to. We are heirs with him because of the promise. The promise is still in effect. The promise continues on. He made a new covenant. When Jesus came, he made a new covenant. What is the promise that we have now? Eternal salvation. Living in the new heaven and new earth, or the new heaven with Christ. That is what our, we are heirs to the kingdom of God. According to that promise that he made unto Abraham. Came through that seed. Jesus Christ came. Jesus brought a new covenant. We now have faith in him. We now get to go to heaven, eternal life. That's what we're looking for. That's our faith in him going to there, Okay. Any questions? Any comments?
I've got some scriptures here. These, when I study, I use two different versions of the Bible. I use King James, but I also use the ESV. And the reason I use the ESV is translated the same way the King James is. Just, it's just a newer version. But if you read some of the scriptures in it, some of the, especially the hard ones, you can get a better understanding, okay? Say, for example, verse 15, it says, Brethren, I speak after the manner of men. Though it be but a man's covenant, yet if it be confirmed, no man disannulleth or addeth thereto. Pretty understandable, right? But old language. To give a human example, brothers, even with a man-made covenant, no one annuls it or adds to it once it has been ratified. It's the same thing. Just written in a language we can understand, right? Okay? And I do that. And the reason I do that is because even reading this passage, there may be a simple passage I can read and say, I know what that means. But if I just happen to go over and say, well, I'm going to look at a commentary and make sure I know that's what it means. Commentary may say something else. I may be uh, misinterpreting a proper, uh, one word or a couple words. Okay? But, so if, if, if I read a, a passage and it doesn't match what you've got in your Bible, don't get upset with me. <laughs> I'm just trying to get it. I, I, could, I could paraphrase it, and that would make it more uh, uh, appealing to you or more understandable, but that would be the same thing. Okay? So I'm not going to go into a Bible lecture right now, but anyway, any questions, any, any comments? I just want you to understand, if, if, if I say something that doesn't match your scriptures that you're reading, I'm either paraphrasing it or I'm taking it from another version. Okay, but I won't, the NIV I'll never take from, so don't worry about that. Uh, anything else? Okay. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time. I thank you, Lord, that you have given us uh, uh, the, the freedom to come into this meeting house and to hear your word and to study your word, uh, to worship you. I thank you, Lord, for that promise you did give to Abraham, that promise through the seed that came, that Jesus Christ came through his death, burial, and resurrection, by grace through faith that we can come to you now, an open door to speak with you, to pray to you, to ask you for your forgiveness. Father, tonight we just ask that you watch over us as we go about our ways. Uh, uh, we thank you for the kids club back there, and Lord, we pray that they had uh, plenty of children back there and that uh, the word is shared shared with them. Father, we just ask for a blessing tonight. Continue to watch over us and keep us, help us in all that we need to do. We thank you. We love you. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen.